In today's episode, we're going to take a no-nonsense dive into the world of design biases, revealing how they shape our work in ways we often miss. Welcome to Shift Left, your source for accessible digital design insights, trends, and critiques. I'm Steffi Hogan, your solo guide in this offbeat journey where we don't just talk about accessible digital design, we live it, breathe it, and occasionally we roast it in a digital landscape brimming with potential, yet riddled with pitfalls. It's high time we prioritize accessible design from the beginning. Each week we'll debunk myths, call out the good, the bad, and the what the hell were they thinking, all while unraveling the secrets to making accessibility an opening act and not a grand finale. Let's dive into the world of Shift Left, where accessibility is more than an afterthought. It's the foundation. What's up, you beautiful people? Today's menu features a hearty serving of design biases. Those sneaky little buttholes have a way of slipping into our work whenever we least expect it. We've all been there, thinking we're creating the digital equivalent of a rock concert, but for some folks, it turns into more of a silent disco. The thing is, good design isn't just about making things pretty, as we all know. So let's call out some of these biases, kick them to the curb, and design like we actually give a damn about everyone. Easy? Hell no. Necessary? Hell yes. Let's start with mouse bias. Mouse bias happens when designers make digital things, assuming everyone will navigate their masterpiece with a mouse and only a mouse. It's an easy trap to fall into. We move our mouse around the screen, clicking here, dragging there, blissfully unaware that this clickety-clack dance doesn't work for everyone. Consider the humble button, a mainstay in the digital landscape. It's meant to be clicked, right? But what about users who can't wield a mouse due to motor skill challenges? For them, what was a button becomes a barrier. And let's talk about hover states. The little transformations and tool tips that magically appear with a mouse over. Nifty for mouse users, but often a hidden language for people navigating with a keyboard or assistive technologies. Buttons, links, tooltips, they all need to be coded properly so that assistive tech can find them as the user navigates around. Then there are drag and drop features. They promise fun and engagement for some, but can be a veritable obstacle course for those without a mouse. Alternative interaction methods should definitely be considered first in your design. Work with the developers who will be building out the thing you're making to program in multiple ways to complete any tasks involving drag and drop. Mouse bias isn't just about the inability to use a mouse. It's also about the assumption that everyone will navigate the web in the same way we do, with the same ease and fluidity. It's an assumption that excludes users who rely on keyboards, voice commands, screen readers, or other input devices to interact with digital content. 
And if you're not familiar with what assuming does, well, I'll let you Google that one. Next, there is a visual bias, which sneaks into a designer's work when we forget that our own visual experience is not universal. It's that moment when we select a color scheme that looks absolutely stunning to us, but turns into a muddy, indistinguishable mess for someone who sees color differently. And then there's the text. We might choose a sleek, modern font that whispers sophistication, but also mumbles confusion for those with dyslexia. What we see as chic minimalist typography could easily be a jumble of glyphs that tumble together into an indecipherable heap for others. Try this out. Next time you're choosing a font, in your preview or sample text, type lowercase i, uppercase i, lowercase l, uppercase l, and then see if they look different enough. If they don't, don't choose that font and move on. Even the contrast settings can trip us up. We might toggle on dark mode on our devices, admire the way the colors pop, and assume everyone else feels the same. But if the contrast isn't right, for someone with low vision, it's like trying to read a book in a dimly lit room. And don't forget that everyone's monitor displays color differently. If you're using a very pale gray as a design element in your thing, make sure to test them on a monitor that isn't calibrated to your liking or a TV and see if you can still see that pale gray. These instances of visual bias mean we are inadvertently crafting a user experience that is exclusive instead of inclusive. It really takes a conscious effort to step back and design with a broader spectrum in mind to ensure our visuals are clear, our text is readable, and our interfaces are navigable for everyone. Not just for those with 20-20 vision in a well-lit room with the latest tech. When designers fall prey to hearing bias, it's like they're composing a symphony for the ears forgetting that not everyone can hear the music. In the digital realm, this bias comes through when we create experiences that rely heavily on auditory cues, effectively muting the whole interface for those who can't hear. Let me paint you a picture. You're taking an online training module and it uses voiceover to explain complex graphics. To someone who is deaf or hard of hearing, the absence of captions or transcripts turns an educational opportunity into a silent film. Then there are the notification chimes and dings that are music to some people's ears, signaling new messages and events, but for users who can't hear them, the alerts go unnoticed. In video content, the reliance on subtle background music to convey mood or change in narrative is another classic example. To the hearing, the shift from a minor to a major key gently nudges the emotions. Yet without visual cues, this transition is completely lost to those who can't hear it. 
And let's not forget video games. Video games often use audio cues for storytelling and gameplay mechanics. Footsteps to signal an approaching enemy. A crescendo in the music to herald impending danger. Or the subtle environmental sounds that guide a player to a hidden secret. For players who are deaf or hard of hearing, the absence of these sounds doesn't just strip away layers of the experience, it can render a game completely unplayable. It's about recognizing that auditory design elements need visual counterparts, ensuring every chime, every voiceover, and every nuance in sound has a corresponding visual element. It's about ensuring that everyone in the deaf and hard of hearing community doesn't encounter a silent and unresponsive world, but instead one that speaks a visual language as rich and informative as any sound could be. Addressing hearing bias in gaming isn't just a courtesy, it's literally a game changer. Cognitive bias rears its head when we assume that all users can process information, navigate interfaces, and make decisions with the same ease that we do. We design complex navigation menus that seem intuitive to us, but resemble a labyrinth to those with cognitive disabilities. The mental map we provide is as clear as fog to someone with attention regulation issues or learning disorders. Presentations and websites and apps bloated with paragraphs of text are dense forests of information. And for someone with dyslexia or other reading difficulties, understanding that much text is like being asked to read with letters that won't sit still. And then there's the language we use. The industry jargon and technical terms that roll off our tongues but can baffle those not versed in our language. We might as well be speaking in code. Overcoming cognitive bias means remembering that simplicity is the ultimate sophistication in design. It's about designing not for the mind that delights in complexity, but for the mind that thrives on clarity and simplicity. And last, but certainly not least, there's technology bias. That's when our tools outpace our audience's capabilities. This totally creeps into our work when we designers forget that not everyone has the latest device in their pocket or the speediest internet connection at their fingertips. It's the slick animations and heavyweight graphics that look spectacular on our ultra-fast machines, but for the users, Navigating our modern designs can be like trying to stream a 4K video on dial-up internet. Buffering becomes part of the experience, and no one wants that. Let's not forget about software version exclusivity, the features that only work with the latest updates, leaving those with older systems looking through a window of a store they can't enter. It's a digital members-only club where the price of admission is the latest tech. 
and for you, the price of their admission could land you in some legal hot water. Overcoming technology bias is about designing for reality, not just the showroom. It's about ensuring that our digital experiences are inclusive, load quickly, and function beautifully across a spectrum of devices and connection speeds. And that's the skinny on design biases. Unpacking our own biases is like cleaning out a closet we didn't even know was cluttered. But here's the kicker. Now that we've seen the clutter, we can't just close the door and pretend it's not there, no matter how much you want to. It's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. And that's a wrap on today's Flavor of Shift Left. Don't forget, in the realm of accessible design, we are not just thinkers, we're doers. And sometimes we're do-it-againers, because let's get real, nobody's perfect. Keep challenging the norms, questioning the standards, and for goodness sakes, let's make accessibility a piece of cake rather than a tough cookie to crack. And don't forget to shift left, because tomorrow's success starts with making accessibility a today thing. Thank you.